Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program. Thank you again for joining us again as we uh, continue our teaching on the book of Romans. We have probably taken about at least four programs for each chapter. We are in chapter 6 as we are dealing with the deliverance section of the book of Romans. The first few chapters are dealing with the diagnosis or uh, the problem. And in the latter part, we're dealing with the solution. I think this has been an incredibly important series. And what we're doing this time is dealing with uh, the new creation and what it means to have why Christian behavior is important under the new covenant. And what we begin to show you, let me just read, uh, let me start in here again, but let me say before I do that, that uh, if you've missed any of these programs, it is, I, I think you would really, really be blessed if you would go back into our YouTube channel and watch them, because I am teaching chapter by chapter and almost verse by verse through the book of Romans and have done it on several subjects, but it is available for you to watch at your leisure on our YouTube channel. Or you say, well, I don't have time to sit down in front of a TV. You can stream it in your car through our podcast. And you simply go to iTunes and sign up for our podcast there. It's free. YouTube is free. Uh, you say, well, I don't have an uh, Apple device. Well, you can, there is an RSS feed as well for your Android device. So there's so many ways to get the audio and the video portions of this, that it would really be to your benefit to, to do that. We may use some of this stuff in, uh, in Bible school classes in the future if we decide to put together a school. We're going to pull these from the YouTube channels, so you may want to watch them while they are still available for free. And so uh, uh, we are in chapter 6 of the book of Romans, and we are talking about uh, why Christian behavior is important under the new covenant is because your behavior brings new creation into manifestation in this world. And uh, let me just read a few verses, then we're going to get into a little bit further. Uh, Romans 6 verse 1 says, So what do we do? Keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving. I should hope not. That's his response. I should hope not. For if we have left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house there? Or didn't you realize that we packed up and left there for good? That is what happened in baptism. We went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind, and when we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace, a new life in a new land. That's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we were lowered into the water, it is like the burial of Jesus, and we were raised up out of the water. It is like the resurrection of Jesus, each of us raised into a light-filled world by our Father so that we can see where we're going into our new grace, sovereign country. Should it, could it be any clearer? That old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ, a decisive end to that sin-miserable life, no longer at sin's every beck and call. What we believe is this. If we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, we also get included in His life-saving resurrection. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was the signal of the end of death as the end. Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died, He took sin down with Him, but alive, He brings God down 
to us. Because what happens is, is that the reason Christian behavior is important is because it brings God's new world, it brings heaven to earth, it brings the kingdom to come, His kingdom come, His will be done in the earth, and our present circumstances, which gives us this abundant life. There are principles of life, and you, you need to go back and listen to the first three segments. I cannot go back and keep reviewing them. But uh, there are certain, what, he, he said, I, I shared with you last week out of Colossians, offer yourself to sin, and it's your last free act. In other words, you become the servant of whatever you're giving yourself to. But when you become, uh, you offer yourself to God, the freedom never ends. And he begins to talk about how uh, you can't just keep doing anything you want, living in the old ways of life. Uh, he said, what did that get you to? It, an end of life where all you got was the wages of sin, your pension was death, but the real gift of God was to give you real life right here, right now, because He's bringing God down to us. So we've had this theme consistently through this series about living in this new life in a new land. I'm not going to go back and read a lot of that again. Uh, I think you can go back and read them if you'd like yourself, but I want to go back and look at something in the book of Hebrews in chapter number 1. Uh, he's uh, declaring some things here in Hebrews. I'm going to try to wrap this sixth chapter up in this segment. If not, I will definitely do it by the next one. But uh, in Hebrews 1, chapter 1, uh, verse 1 says, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the worlds, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person, and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of God, on the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as He has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. And then I want to skip down here in just a moment to verse 8, but before I do that, when he's saying, God has in these last days spoken to us by the Son, He in times past spoke through uh, the prophets and uh, various ways, spoke to us by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by the Son. Don't want to take a long time on this because I could teach for months on this. But the last days that he's talking about here is not the last days of this age. It was the last days of the old covenant age. Paul is talking to Hebrews who are in the transition coming out from under the old world and the old covenant and into the new covenant. Now we've been talking about in the last several segments God's new creation world. That new world began with the resurrection of Jesus. It began with Him introducing and preaching and telling people that the kingdom of heaven was within their grasp and within their reach, and that God's new world was invading this one, and the new creation was coming through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And God's new creation project, His making all things new, was now underway through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So when he's talking about God hath in these last days, he was not talking about the end of the world global. He was talking about the end of the age, and he was talking about the end of that old covenant age dominated by sin, by the curse, and by the old covenant, and coming into God's new creation, God's new world, God's new covenant, God's new mercies every morning, God's new creation, God's new Jerusalem, God's new heaven, God's new earth, everything being made new, was now was now being birthed and coming on the scene. It was the expectation of all of creation 
was for God's new world to invade this one. What we have taught, and I think mistakenly, is that the gospel is about how I get from here to there rather than about how I can get what's happening there to operate here. But once again, when Jesus taught the kingdom, He was not talking about other world stuff. He was talking about this world stuff and how to bring that world into this world. And even the Pharisees understood that when they said, Lord, when will the kingdom come? And when Jesus taught them how to pray, He taught them to pray, Your kingdom come, Your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Last week we talked about, uh, we talked about some things about how that behavior in the new covenant, in the resurrected new creation life, begins to be the vehicle that manifests it in this life. And let me just read a few scriptures for you before we uh, uh, get on. Let me. Let, we'll go ahead and read this one in Hebrews. Once again, that the last days were not the last days of the globe. They were the last days of a covenant. A lot of the language of Scripture when it's talking about the old heaven and the old earth and the new heaven and the new earth are not dealing global and, and, and literal. They are dealing with covenantal. God uses that imagery all through the Scriptures to describe something of the old covenant and the old world and then the new covenant and the new world. Now let me just go on in verse number 8. It says, but to the Son, He says. In other words, in the last days, He's talking to these Hebrews, God is not speaking to us in and through the, by the prophets. It doesn't mean we don't have prophetic language or that we don't have prophets today alive in the church, but it means God is speaking to us in this last day to these Hebrews by His Son, whom He has made heir of all things. Jesus is going to get His inheritance, and He's the heir of all things, as He has obtained a more excellent name than uh, the angels. In the first chapter of Hebrews, He's talking about Jesus is better than angels because the first covenant was delivered by the hands of angels, but the second covenant was delivered by the Son Himself. And then He goes on to say, but to the Son He says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. The reason He loves righteousness and justice is because when He loves righteousness and judgment and hates iniquity is because righteousness and right doing and right living and justice is what brings God's new world into this one. It protects the fatherless, the widow, the orphans. It doesn't take advantage. It protects them, and that's God's new world breaking into this one. Then he goes on to say, "You And, and you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain, and they will all grow old, watch this key word, like a garment. And like a cloak, you will fold them up, and they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not fail. But to which of the angels has He ever said, Sit at my right hand, till I make your enemies your footstools? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who shall be the heirs of salvation? Now the thing I really saw in this is, when He's talking about they will be changed like a garment, immediately my mind went to, you don't put a piece of new cloth in an old garment, or you don't put new wine into an old wineskin. He's not talking about you can't sing charismatic songs in a Presbyterian church. 
He's talking about you cannot piece, put a piece of new cloth or the new world into the old garment of the old covenant. It makes the rend worse. He's talking about mixing two covenants, one law, one grace. And he's talking about changing the garment. If you remember last week, if I can pull it up very quickly here, I, I don't know if I still have it up or not, but in Colossians, the third chapter especially, he talks about uh, you, you have... Uh, Put on Christ. Let, let me let me come back here and and let me just pull a few verses. This is Colossians three, verse number nine, and this is from the message. It says, "Don't lie to one another. You're done with that old life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you've stripped off, and put in the fire. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item in your of, of your new way of life is custom made by the with the Creator with His label on it. It's designer. Hallelujah." And it's not Levi jeans, it's Melchizedek jeans. It's designers, if you will. And all the old fashions are now obsolete. Words like Jewish, non-Jewish, religious, irreligious, insiders, outsiders, uncivilized, uncouth, slave-free mean nothing. From now on, everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone is included in Christ. So, so chosen by God for the new life of so chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the Master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. And so I could go into the details again of that, but what I'm talking about is changing the garment and the world he's talking about is he's going to fold them up like a garment. The old way of life passing away as God brings us into a new way of life where His new world begins to invade this one, and God is continuing with His ongoing new creation project to bring about new creation. Now let me just, uh, let me just go on down through here. In verse uh, chapter number 2 uh, of the book of Hebrews, a lot of things could be said. I'm just going to go for the main thoughts here. Verse number 5 of Hebrews chapter 2 says, For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come. Now the world to come is not heaven. The world to come was in the mind of a Jewish person, this new covenant world where God was bringing His new creation, His resurrected new creation, making all things new project, into being, that He did not put that world to come in subjection to angels, whereof we speak, but one in a certain place testified, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that you visit him? You made him a little lower than the angels, you crowned him with glory and honor, and did set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that He had put all things in subjection under Him, He left nothing that is not put under Him. But now we see not yet all things put under Him, but we see Jesus, who was made a little bit lower than the angels. Now let me just say to you that what He's saying here, the world to come was not put in subjection to angels. It was put in subjection to man. Now let me tell you that the first creation, God told Adam, have dominion, Subdue the earth, be fruitful, multiply, replenish. And the Lord God blessed them. That's grace. 
and said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish. We come into a new garden. I've already covered this, so I'm not going to review it. But through the redemptive work of Christ, God has restored us back into a garden where He says, and the Lord God blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish. You are blessed to be a blessing and to be fruitful, to multiply, and to bring into this world God's new creation. But He did not put the world to come in subjection to angels. You can sit around and pray and send angels all you want. Now they may be sent forth in the earth to minister for those who shall be the heirs of salvation, but God put man in charge. Psalm 115 verse 16 says, the heaven of heavens, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth hath He given to the children of men. When He is saying in Hebrews 2, that He made him a little lower than the angels. What is man? He says that He did not put the world to come in subjection to angels, but He put them in subjection to a man. And then He said, testified in a certain place, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you visit him? He is quoting, I believe it is Psalm number 8, where I believe it is the psalmist says, when I consider the moon and the stars and the works of your fingers, and all that you have created, what is man that you are mindful of him? Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and made him a little lower than the Elohim. Now watch this. God, another translation says, when I consider the moon, the stars, the works of your fingers, all of this vast creation, what is man that your mind was full of him? In other words, God put man in charge in the earth. Now we could listen. I, I, although I believe God is in 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 control ultimately in the final end of it, He is not in control of every detail. If He was, there would be no genocide, there would be no rape, there would be no poverty, there would be no hunger. God put His vice regent in the earth to rule and have dominion, to be fruitful, to multiply, to replenish, and to guard and keep the garden, to be stewards of God's creation. Maybe we haven't done a good job of it, and we want to blame God for all the problems in the world, so that if there's a God, this wouldn't happen. If there was a God, this wouldn't happen. No, no, that's not the truth. If man would have done what God told him to do, there wouldn't be these problems. So what God does is He takes on human form and comes down and shows you how to bring His new world into this world. He shows you how to demonstrate and put on this new garment that's being changed, that your basic garment is love. And so Jesus comes on the scene, and everywhere He went, He was demonstrating God's new world. He was bringing God's new creation into this dimension, and He was doing it as He healed the sick, raised the dead, called the outcast, called the people that nobody else wanted, and the rejects of society, and begins to pour into them, He begins to take the bind the brokenhearted, set at liberty them that are bruised. Because every time He does that, He forgives sins, He heals the leper. Every time He does that, He brings God's new world into this one. Now let me read you just a few scriptures concerning new creation, and hopefully I can get into Matthew here a little bit. It says, uh, this is 2 Corinthians 5, 14-21, our firm decision is to work from this focus center. One, one man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could be included in his life. A resurrection life. A far better life than people ever lived on their own. 
Because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah that way once and got it all wrong, as you know. We certainly don't look at Him that way anymore. Now we look inside, and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone, a new life virgins. Look at it. All of this comes from God who settled the relationship between us and Him, and then called us to settle our relationship with each other. God put the world square with Himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering the forgiveness of sin. Maybe it's good for us to offer forgiveness to people too. Maybe that's how the world can get a fresh start. God has given us the task of telling everyone what He's doing. We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. This is a new creation project. We're speaking for Christ Himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. How, you say, in Christ, God put the wrong on Him who never did anything wrong so that we could be put right with God. And so we, we see then that what He's saying is God is making everything new by forgiving this creation, and that God made it right, and that He put all things on Him who never did anything wrong so that we can be made the righteousness of God in Christ. 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, verse 14 through 21 says, For the love of Christ compels us. This is our love wardrobe. Because we thus judge, if one died for all, then all died. And, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself by not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. In other words, when we forgive even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven us, what happens is, is we don't, if God is not counting men's trespasses against them, maybe we should act in the same way and put on this new love wardrobe. And he goes on to say in verse 20, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. For me, He made Him to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. God offers the new world a clean slate by offering them the forgiveness of sin. Our assignment is to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them and becoming friends of God. Also note that this scripture is in the context of the judgment seat of Christ. If you look at the rest of it, it's talking about the judgment seat. God's new world includes justice. Righteousness is also justice, the justice of God. It is Him defending the fatherless and the widow, the broken, the outcast. He brings judgment into the world by declaring the favor of God to those who are bruised, brokenhearted. If you could see that in the first message Jesus ever preached, when He said, He's anointed me to preach the gospel, to set at liberty in the poor, and, to, and them that are bruised, and to declare the acceptable year of the Lord. And probably won't have time in this segment, but I might do one more segment 
on the Beatitudes because the Beatitudes would be a good place to start on how people are to be treated. Our assignment as children of God is to behold Him and worship and then reflect His image in the earth. Jesus brings how you treat your neighbor to the same level as worship. When He talks to the man who brings his gift to the altar, He said, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that you have all against your brother, go first and be reconciled to your brother and then bring your gift to the altar. What He does is He brings on the same level uh, what we call worship to God. In our worship experiences on Sunday, how we worship is determined by how we treat one another, because as you've done it to the least of these, my little ones, you've done it unto me. I'm talking about stuff that can change our world in this segment. God's new world comes into existence when we learn how to treat our brothers and sisters. This reconciliation and forgiveness brings God's new world into your everyday experience. The story of the Samaritan also includes the two great commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. And that's how you inherit the life of the coming age. It is in these scriptures that Jesus elevates worship to the same experience that we do on worship on Sunday. He, but, but what we understand then as well is that you reap what you sow. Hate begets hate, love begets love, but simply understand a soft answer sometimes can turn away wrath. Trying to see humanity through the eyes of God, that when you don't see men and judge them after the flesh, don't judge a book by the cover. Sometimes uh, he said, you don't even, we don't even judge Christ that way. In other words, don't judge a book by the cover. The waitress who's taking a long time serving you may very well be under a lot of pressure or is in the middle of a family crisis or a divorce or children in trouble. The child with the tattoos that's misbehaving might be screaming for someone to pay attention to them. They might come from a household where there's substance abuse and drug abuse, and they're just crying for somebody to care for them and love for them. That's how you bring God's new world into this one. They may have come from some other kind of uh, 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 problem that's created this. In other words, try to be sensitive to what others may be going through and stop thinking about yourselves. Because uh, the Scripture says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. I've been watching the series called uh, The Chosen, and in that Jesus chooses, uh, when He especially calls Matthew, and He says to Matthew, follow me. Matthew is kind of a nerdy guy that's about numbers, and he's a tax collector, and everybody hates him. But Jesus reaches out to the reject. All of his disciples are the rejects of society. They're the fishermen. They're the tax collectors that nobody likes. They're the 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 uh, the the uh, uh, Zacchaeuses that uh, uh, everybody is rejecting. But when he calls Matthew, uh, it, Peter goes to Jesus, says, "Do you not know what this man's about? Do, don't you see that he is so hated by the Jews? He's a tax collector." And he says to Jesus, "This is highly, highly unusual." And Jesus looks back at Peter and says, "This, get ready for the unusual, because that's what's going to happen from here on out: the unexpected, the unusual. When you reach out to the outcast, the broken, the widows." Sometimes bringing God's new world into this one is as simple as going across the yard and mowing the, la- the, the lawn of the old lady that can't do it anymore, or go visit someone who's shut in. That's bringing God's new world into this one. Well, we're done for this segment. I'm out of time. I'm going to do one more. Uh, if you'd like to sow a seed into the ministry, please go to the website there, and you'll see where you can give it the uh, credit card and through our PayPal portal. 
And you can also set up a monthly debit if you'd like to, if you'd like to give a one-time gift or a monthly debit. You can also send a check or money order to the address on the screen, or you can call the number that comes up on the screen and someone will take your call. But do it today. God bless you. We need your help. Hallelujah. Bless you. I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled The Great I Am. In this book, we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. When he uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. They thought that Israel was the true vine, but Jesus said to them, I am the vine, you are the branches. As you read the pages of this book, you will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today.